0: Hi, I am Manuela Bonanno from Columbia University and I'm very glad today to talk to Claire Pampoli-Box from Whale Cornell uh, University. Uh, Claire is an instructor now, but she was recently promoted. But Claire, please, uh, tell me about yourself and uh, what's the promotion? Congratulations,
1: by the way. Thank you very much. so uh, I am, uh, as you said, an instructor at Cornell Medicine and I was uh, recently promoted uh, assistant professor in cell biology at well- uh, in a radiation oncology department. Um, so yeah, that's a very exciting uh, new, new perspective ahead uh, with my new lab, finally, if I can say. But uh, yes. finally, yes, but you know, it's just the beginning. So um, a lot of things ahead and uh,
0: well, good uh, luck yeah. with that, it would be, <laughs> be great. And I'm sure about that because we know each other for some time, yes. particularly because in 2014 you were, you were awarded with the Marie Curie Award. Yes. And I think, I don't know, from that time on, your career really blossomed. Yes, And, <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, Or at least you had more visibility. Yes, something that uh, Radiation Research Society gave you and so can you please walk me through a little bit of your career and how from the Marie Curie Award, if any, you know, new road or new i don't know research
1: it's research so, so yeah so can you remind us as so as well? yeah it's it's actually feeling like yesterday that i won the Marie Curie award but now that we think it back it's it's already four years so by then i actually won the award on uh, because i was studying back i mean in, and i'm still working on that um, how to best use radiation therapy to induce anti-tumor immune responses especially when combined with uh, immunotherapy agents like uh, CTLA4, PD1 blockers, uh, and so I have won the award. But when I won the award, it was a very pe- preliminary work. So I spent my time really to to develop this research uh, uh, area. And uh, actually, last year we, we. So I am in the lab. Uh, I did my postdoctoral uh, training in uh, Sandra De Maria lab. Um, And so with her uh, guidance, we actually published uh, this work in Nature Communication last year. Uh, So this work really described that, you know, the dose and the fractionation that you're using is actually impacting tremendously uh, the activation of the immune system. And so really the message, I know that the, the papers is not gonna give you a solution for everything, and it's not actually, uh, the purpose of this paper is just to show that, um, you know, you, we should really carefully uh, study the biology, especially in regards of immunotherapy and uh, immune system activation before we, we want to implement these combinations in the clinic. And that's, you know, the concept that we have, uh, the, you know, trying to, the message actually, I should say, that we're trying to to give to the community is that when you do clinical trial design eventually with radiation on board you really need to be cautious because sometimes the design and if you pick the wrong radiation schedules it might fail just because you don't pick the good ones and this is just the only message of this paper
0: and this is the topic that you're actually presenting uh, at this meeting?
1: Yeah, so this meeting, so my poster is actually um, it's, it's actually funny, so we because when we got uh, to present this work, people, uh, some people told us, oh, uh, what you show it's actually perfectly fine but when you do 3 times 8 gray radiation, you do have ablation of the irradiated tumors, which you don't have when you do 20 gray times 1 so maybe uh, the effect you see is just because you don't have ablation of the Okay. The tumors. So we said, OK, fine. So what we have done is uh, we use the exact same models and we actually expanded to the, another one.
0: It's a breast cancer.
1: Model. Breast cancer tumor model. And we actually tried to find uh, radiation uh, schedule that were ablative. And then we, and when we found it, we actually looked at whether when there is two tumors, so an abscopal tumor model. Whether when you do a blade, do you see anti-tumor immune response? And there is no uh, immunotherapy involved in this setting. It's just to see how immunogenic the radiation therapy was. So, sorry for the interruption. The
0: the the, uh, the most the optimal um, fractionation schedule for your system was like nine times ten gray, or
1: so. That's more complicated than that. <laughs> so, so when you combine it with uh, immune on blockers, you we 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 worked with three times eight gray radiation. Um, when we did the work that I just mentioned, we did uh, we did have the same BED. So we do compa- we did compare twenty times two gray radiation versus ten gray times six radiation or eight gray times six radiation. A-grade times six had a lower BED, but it was B, you know, with the A-grade that we actually like in the lab. So we thought that it would eventually give us more results. But uh, what happened is when you do have only one single tumour and you do have ablation, you don't see any differences comparing 20 comparing times three, the, yeah, the uh, reg- yeah the the Yeah, the, the, the regimen that I just mentioned. However, when you have two tumours involved, it sounded like uh, you basically lose completely any anti-tumor immune responses you might have seen in before. Case. In any case, so. But when you do have the 41 model, and uh, you actually, so in this case, we had to, hire, to, to use higher BEDs because we didn't achieve any ablation with the previous model, uh, regimen that we used in the previous model. So it, it certainly indicates that 41 are more resistant, resistance, which is something that has been uh, well known. So in that case, we did compare 20 grade times 3. Uh, versus ten grade times nine, and we dropped the eight grade times nine because it was uh, too much. much. Uh, And then it sounds like in this uh, model uh, we achieved to have an increase in survival only in the ten grade times nine. Really suggesting that in this case we need to have lower radiation, not lower radiation, but a A
0: relatively low dose, but multiple times. So uh, the, the the caution, the message of your work at this point, or what you are presenting, is be cautious in the dose that you choose, or uh, as you said, it's more complicated than that. It's the
1: combination, dose and fractionation and. So, so I am biased, so I have, I have to say. <laughs> so, and because of the work we have published in Nature, Medicine, in Nature Communications, we have uh, shown that uh, you know, when you do have doses higher than 12 to 15 grades, you induce the exonuclear TREX-1, and this exonuclease is actually digesting DSDNA that is contained in the cytoplasm of irradiated cells. And this DSDNA is supposed to, or I mean not supposed to, actually we know, that is activating the cgas and STING pathway. And this do type 1 antifrin response that is synergistic with immune checkpoint blockers or even to stimulate uh, anti-tumor immune responses in the host of the mouse. So, that being said, uh, when we saw that 10 gray, even though you do multiple fraction, was a little bit slightly better in improving survival than 20 20 gray times three, it it really falls into our model that you would need to hit with doses below the the threshold of TREX1. Uh, The threshold of TREX1, everybody is asking me all the time, uh, what is a window? And the window, I think, it really depends on the tumor you are working with. Uh, some, we know uh, for some lung cancer, for instance, uh, tumor model in mice again, uh, we needed to have lower doses. Like when I say lower, it's, it's gonna be around four gray per fraction because then the TREX1 is being upregulated afterwards. So, so you so don't
0: really need mm-hmm. to go up to 10 no. to get your response, Yeah, but,
1: but you can also see the other way around for, I have a friend of mine who is working on uh, renal cancers, uh, and uh, he had to hit 15 gray, and he didn't see any TREX1 involved. So I think, you know, uh, we just don't know. Uh, What what we can actually think about is uh, if it's true, and and this needs to be confirmed in in patients, of course, but if this is true, then uh, if you do have fresh biopsy from a patient, you can just do ex vivo irradiation and look for a TREX-1 upregulation and see so when, panel yeah, when, this, when the TREX-1 is being upregulated and then if you want to combine it with anti-tumor I- immune uh, checkpoint blockers, then you can uh, yeah, um, pick the dose, basically.
0: So is this going to be one of the topic of your brand new lab?
1: So the brand new lab, so yes and no, so uh, because this is something that you know I was doing with Sandra de Maria, so she's certainly gonna pursue on what is regulating trex one, and this is what I am working on now, uh, and I'm trying to finish up before it. before I start my lab in January, so um, so yeah, but what I'm so I'm working on really on uh, because when I got my uh, postdoctoral training, I also get uh, the chance to have. A DOD uh, fellowship on Activin A, uh, which is a teacher, but a superfamily members. And uh, I cannot really say much as of now today, but it sounds like Activin A might be uh, implicated in TREX1 uh, in some ways. Uh, so this is something I'm going to pursue in my own lab and uh, also uh, with a major focus on uh, glioma malignancy because when I was doing my PhD. I was working on glioblastomas, so I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna try to, uh, to, to kind to of go back and, and, um, uh, and see um, malignancy to see, and especially because CNS is a very d- difficult disease, uh, so I think there is plenty of work to do there.
0: There yeah. is, yeah, there is no cure. I mean, it's it's very complicated yeah. and uh, radioresistant tumors. Yeah. right
1: yeah and often you know you you do a low doses of radiation for a, a long time and honestly from the immuno um, the immune system pro- perspective i should say um it might be damaged it might be more damaging than uh, immunostimulating meaning that you may have more immunosuppressions on board because you do repeatedly uh, small doses of fractionation so i think you know this is open question that we don't know as of now how many so the dose we may we may know, which I, I again I'm not sure. You're cautious. About it. Yeah. <laughs> and but the question is now, how many fractionations should you do? And that I don't think anybody really have uh, really uh, have answers to these uh, points. Yeah.
0: So I wanted to ask you about. Uh, so um, I know that you. Uh, recently uh, you, have, you have a girl yeah. I and mean, you you just uh, increased your family. Yeah. So the very first question is how do you manage? So you are a, a woman in career yes. and you just have a family. So you are being promoted um, while um,
1: uh, raising
0: a child. Yeah. So how do you manage that? So first of all, it's possible yeah
1: it's it's possible so um i have to say two things then uh first my my baby because she's two now and i uh, believe she's um very easy (laughs) she's an easy baby i think she understands that uh, the work that i'm doing is very important for me and uh, i think she sees me happy so she she's really fine and second, and I have a very supportive husband that is also uh, very comprehensive, and uh, for that I am very lucky. But I have to say also that I have a very nice support from my chair um, Silvia Formenti, and also from uh, my PI uh, Sandra De Maria, who, who understand, you know, they are women, so they have children also, so they understand that sometimes there is some things that you cannot control. And but that being said, you know, I think. It's just a matter of how you do perceive your family and your work to me, both of them, the balance is very important to me so uh, i I have to say on a daily basis i 'm not sure how i 'm doing it <laughs> it's just you know when the day comes in, you have things that you need to to take care of and and uh, and but otherwise you know i have uh, yeah I think I can. Uh, it's possible, it's just uh, what, I, what I know, what I'm doing, and I'm not sure people can say, can criticize me for that, but when I am with my family, I am with my family. I'm trying not to work too much. Of course, when you have deadlines, you, you need to, to work, but, uh, and, and vice versa, when you have, uh, you never really have down times in your work, but uh, <laughs> when sometimes you do, then uh, then you, you kind of balance balances so out getting organized yeah and, uh, yeah uh, try to balance yeah,
0: organization then, uh, is a key actually yeah, yeah, having also good kids I mean yeah. kids that can let you sleep <laughs> <I> don't know <laughs> yeah
1: no, but no i i was uh, I was very lucky in that sense that uh, My baby was very uh, easy when she was uh, very, very small. Uh, So I think that's... uh, a major advantage, uh, and I'm sure that not everybody can say the same thing. So for that, um, yeah. I'm very lucky.
0: Yeah. And then I know that there are also some like small grants that
1: might support uh, like fellowships sort or of awards. Uh, actually, it's funny that you mentioned it because uh, yeah, I uh, actually um, so there is an initiative at Well uh where you can apply for an internal grant uh, that promotes women that just got a faculty positions and just got a baby. So I got lucky uh, to get it. So it it really was a time point in my life because it was very difficult. So it it, it really was very welcome to get this kind of grant. So anybody uh, who is in my situation should really look into all these opportunities in the institution because this is something that you may not be aware of. Exactly. So, uh, and there is a lot of things now uh, to really promote women in science. Uh, which i think it's really nice to have (laughs) so uh (laughs) no and i think you know this at at well Cornell is really uh, due to the effort of uh, laura uh, glimcher at that time she was a dean of uh, well Cornell and she really insisted to have this kind of initiative and thanks to that um she also implemented which is actually something very valuable for me a daycare Uh Uh, from Well Cornell, uh, meaning that uh, the, the daycare uh, agenda, not agenda, but um, holidays schedule. and everything, the schedule is really, uh, it, really
0: matches the, it matches the non-holidays Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes, so because of that we have, uh, I'm lucky for that because basically uh, the, the daycare is closed only when Well Cornell is also closed, so that we don't have to, to kind to, of uh, yeah
0: yeah panic yeah, uh, no. to find uh, babysitter no. or just skip work yeah, because, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. so that uh, yeah and then uh, yeah and then we have a lot of benefit from that but this is again depending on all institutions, but I think I think most institutions really are moving toward this kind of uh, benefit for to really help women in science and also to to have a better quality of life in general not necessarily for promoting women also
0: yes yeah. yes absolutely because i think uh, those kinds of uh, 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 small uh, relatively small fellowship they are also for daddies um, um, uh, not only for
1: moms no, no.
0: so all uh, both really? mum and dad can apply
1: yeah yeah of course i mean it's really yeah so the fellowship i got i have to say it was only for women but there is all, all the other me- mechanisms that you can there is uh, around for that, no, no, really.
0: So, Claire, just another question. Um, you say that you're going to start with your new lab in the new year. Are you going to have uh, postdoctoral positions?
1: are you allowed to have phd students how does it work so so uh as of now uh i i can i don't think i can have as of now a phd a phd candidate just because uh, the the institution con- don't consider my funding as very stable which i understand completely and they they well, want to make sure that the usual, uh, yeah. The so because the they, they they do more than three years. So what if you know my lab is not sustainable? You, I mean, a drop in <laughs> doing the PhD. So no, no and I honestly, and, and, no, no, I, I honestly think that it's actually better because you really need to be focused to and to to commit <clears throat> to PhD candidate. Uh, but no, no, uh, not that I'm not gonna commit to any postdoc. <laughs> but uh, no, no. So I think it's a good thing that Dance Edition is really, uh, you know, putting some barriers that kind of uh, situation but no so the plan is really to have so uh, to have one technician to really help me to uh start up the lab how i want things to be done and implemented and and then the plan is to have uh two to three postdocs but this would be the plan in some months uh not months maybe one year or two. But uh, for now, I'm really actively looking for a postdoctoral uh, candidate. Yes, okay. I am already looking. With you know, it takes some time, uh, and and if the candidate is coming from a board, then you have all the visas and paperwork and, uh, to do. So, yeah. and then you know, I want really to take my time to pick somebody I think would be a good fit, and uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but now it's very exciting times, and I will see how it goes. Hopefully, it's gonna go okay. Hopefully, we're <laughs> gonna talk again. Yeah, we'll talk again. And
0: you will tell me more about, you know, your first um, uh, paper, your first publication, yeah. first yeah, yes. so when you put your name at the end <laughs> 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 of the manuscript. Yes, yeah. So thank you so much for thank taking the time to talk to me yeah thanks for, for having traditional research. Uh, society podcast. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>